Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Thank you for joining us tonight for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah. I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage. And tonight we are back in the book of Romans starting chapter 3. If you would like to join in on our conversations tonight or if you would like prayer, we have call screeners standing by and they can be reached at 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt, last week as we discussed the chronology of Resurrection Day, we had several callers asking questions that we were not able to get to. Um, Freddie had an interesting question, so I just wanted to throw it out to you to start our program tonight. He asked, if Jesus' linen clothes were left in the empty tomb, what was he wearing when he rose again? You mean we don't know what color? We don't know what color his clothes were? His resurrection clothes? <laughs> I guess not. You know, no. The Bible doesn't tell us, right? Doesn't tell us. No. Where, what color his? Well, it does tell us in Second Corinthians chapter five uh-huh. of our clothing. Even if the building of this tabernacle of our own is mm-hmm. dissolved, that we are clothed with a house made with eternal hands. Hmm. So Jesus was clothed with a garment that was personally made Mm. by God, Mm. and it says we have a house which is from heaven, Mm. and his garments were the garments of a gardener, so they were God's personally uh, stitched clothes Mm -hmm. for a gardener, because that's who Mary thought Jesus was. Okay. Okay, that's my answer. (laughs) Okay, Okay. good, good. Interesting question. Thanks, Freddie, for asking that. All right, so, well, welcome tonight to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, and you are welcome to call us this evening if you have a question, like Freddie, and you want to give us a shot at your Bible question, 929-333-3739. We also have some wonderful, godly, Bible-loving, Christ-glorifying call screeners here this evening. So if you need prayer or encouragement from the Word of God, maybe you're just going through something, going through a trial, and you want some prayer, give us a call this evening. We're here live at 929-333-3739. And we have tonight with us an, a faithful Heritage of Faith conversation listener and participant in our studio, Brother Raul. Thank you for being here once again, Raul. Thank you, Pastor. And you're joined tonight with your lovely sidekick. Yes. Your wife, Wanda, <laughs> is here with us tonight for the very first time. Woo-hoo. So we want to welcome Wanda. Thank you for being here. Thank you. God bless you. All right. God bless you, Wanda. And um, now just tell us quick about yourself. Are you a New Yorker? Yes. You were born and raised here in the city. Huh? Correct. Yeah. And where, where were you raised? Where have you spent most of your life here? In the South Bronx. Oh, in the South Bronx. I see. And and how, how did you come to know Jesus as your Savior? Uh, when I came to Heritage Baptist Church after I married my husband. Oh, praise the Lord. Wow. Yeah. Amen. And it was Amen. a blessing that you and Raul were baptized at the same time. Yes. 
and you even wear matching shirts. You had on matching shirts at your baptism. Yeah. And tonight on the radio, for the very first time, you have your matching husband, wife, t- what does it say? Faith like Noah. Trust. Oh, encounter. it's an Ark Encounter, yeah. a shirt right from the Ark Encounter. Their honeymoon. You remember that was actually yeah, their yeah. honeymoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're corny but in love. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow, that's wonderful. Well, it's great to have you guys tonight, and we're looking forward to this program. An interesting passage of Scripture, one not emphasized very much. You just think of how often Romans is quoted Mm -hmm. in the Romans Road verses. We don't hear Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 8 quoted very much, although there is a Scripture in here, Mm -hmm. let God be true and every man a liar. That's That's in here. We Mm -hmm. we, We have heard that. And that is a great statement of Paul in this passage. We're going to deal with this passage and our outline tonight. The the title of this program this evening is how Paul straightens out twisted thinking. Paul straightens out the twisted logic of Jewish people and others who would even slander him. Paul even says it is slanderously reported that Paul was saying certain things that he was not because he preached the gospel of grace. People put their twisted logic to the gospel to try to malign Paul mm-hmm. and slander him. So we're going yeah. to look at this this evening. We're going to read Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And Raul is going to start us out tonight. Romans 3. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. Amen. Okay, so we're going to pray. I'm going to ask Brother Raul if you could lead us out in prayer as we begin tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you, O God, for this opportunity, Lord, to discuss, Father, and rightly divide your word of truth. Lord, thank you for your precious word, Father, which is solid, Lord, and which will unravel, Lord God, any lie and any twisted theology, Lord. And I just also want to thank you, O God, for the privilege of not just being here, but being here together with my beautiful wife tonight, Mm -hmm. Lord. So we honor you, we glorify you. I thank you, Lord, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So in this passage of Scripture, Paul refers back to Romans chapter 2, where he showed that, that the Jewish people could not rely on their name of being Jewish or in doing the works of the law, such as circumcision for true salvation. Mm-hmm. And that's true for anyone. Yeah. No one can rely on their ethnic heritage mm-hmm. or their religious works to be saved. Salvation yeah. is only through Christ. So now he asks a series of questions to answer those who were attacking the gospel, slandering Paul with some kind of twisted logic. Now, logic is a method of reasoning. Twisted logic is a messed up method of reasoning. (laughs) That's logical. Yeah, that's logical. So Paul was 
trying to straighten out their twisted sense of reasoning regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, as, as we come to this, the first thing we want to really kind of get into a little bit is that the Jewish people, for example, they've endured mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. through history. Yep. I mean, a whole lot. Yeah. They were enslaved for 400 years. Mm-hmm. They were taken captive by Assyria, by mm-hmm. Babylon. They mm-hmm. were targeted for extermination, or I should say they have been targeted for extermination more than once, yeah. haven't they? Mm-hmm. They were slaughtered in the Crusades by the Roman Catholics. And by the way, dear Jewish people, if anyone is here listening tonight Jewish, what happened in the Crusades was not Christianity. That was a evil religion that was doing those Crusades, but not anything close to being biblical Christianity. So do not blame or do not be angry at Jesus for the awful Crusades, mm. as well as, of course, Nazi Germany and what they did to the Jewish people. So the Jewish people have endured a lot. So one may think they'll get a free pass into heaven. Mm. So, so that's the logic. <laughs> yeah. The Jewish people have endured so much. Mm. Why? Let's just give them a free pass. And a lot of people have this idea, a twisted kind of reasoning, don't they? That they, they get a free pass uh, to go into heaven, mm-hmm. or they, they use their own logic to try to prove that they're righteous before a holy God, mm-hmm. and that they d- don't ultimately need Jesus Christ. So let's just kind of begin there. Mm-hmm. And have we talked to anyone, met anyone along the way? who has this kind of twisted reasoning in trying to prove their right standing before God. Yeah, well, I had, Pastor, um, a woman that I knew, and she comes from a Christian family, but she herself is not a believer. She's Mm -hmm. really explicit about it. She's actually um, into Wiccan. Uh, She might even describe herself as a witch. But sadly, she had an abortion when she was in her early 20s, and the guilt of it actually almost destroyed her to the point where she went back to school after graduating from college. She went back to school, and she became a midwife. And so her entire job now revolves around delivering healthy babies into the world. And her motivation, at least originally, to do that job was to pay for the sin that she committed. So, so she would not have another abortion right. anymore. Yes. She no, she was, says, so so yeah. now she's trying to work out her guilt. Right. Yeah. So she has this sort of weird sense of right. You know, she definitely had a sense of right and wrong, even though she's not a believer. But instead of relying on her creator to cleanse her from her sins, she's working to pay off that debt herself, which we know can never be done. And she has this twisted sense that her own righteous standing is based on the good works of her delivering babies now that will outweigh her past sin. That is a common of trade of fallen man. It's like the default sinful of way that w- that we we look at things that I'll just have my good outweigh my bad. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So Wanda, do you have an example of this? Yes. Um, my mom was a practicing Catholic as mm-hmm. I was growing up, and uh, during my first communion, <clears throat> I remember uh, her twisted logic when I would ask her uh, that I wasn't comfortable with the priest, you know, who cursed and obviously smelled of alcohol most mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would question it, and she would tell me her twisted logic was that we don't question the things of God. But my questioning to her was like, this is supposed to be an appointed uh, man of God, but yeah. it's not a good sign if he's cursing and always smells of alcohol. Yeah. But in her I mean, twisted... What, 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 you mean he actually cursed yes. in church? Yes, that first you... communion, like teaching the kids, and if we did something wrong or said something wrong, he would just curse. He would get upset and curse. 
and, and your just, mom's logic was we should have questioned. Question, right. But you know, we were we're studying church history in the institute now, and mm-hmm. one of the papal bulls in the medieval years mm-hmm. that the the Roman Catholic Pope put forward is that you cannot judge. The Roman Catholic Church is basically, yes, we're right, yes. and so you can't judge us, we judge you. Correct. So, that's, so that, that was the twisted logic that, that, I, twisted that I always logic. questioned mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. <laughs> and Raul, we were, we were talking a little bit before the program, you had an interesting example of this kind of twisted reasoning. Yeah, so uh, I was essentially born and raised in a, in a charismatic uh, Pentecostal church, and I was told that when I was an infant, of course I'm not going to remember that, uh, and I was presented to the Lord, a lady who was almost described as a prophetess, uh, prophesied over me a baby and said that the Lord had separated me unto his servant and I was going to be raised oh. to be some sort of a minister. And most of you, know, you guys know my testimony. And so for years of just drinking and alcoholism there at the bar and all sorts of thoughts of uh, adultery in my brain, I just relied on that and said, well, if God has that in his plan, so he's just going to zap this in one day. Uh, but I do praise the Lord. Um, I came, you know, to heritage, and I fell under conviction of solid Bible teaching. And um, today wow. I'm truly saved. So the twisted reasoning isn't someone else's. It was you're, you're giving an example of your own. Yeah. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. of, of that you had a prophecy put upon you as a, as a baby, and so you were, in a sense, relying upon, upon that. That's an amazing thing. So, mm-hmm. dear friends... Mm-hmm. What are you relying, or I should say, who are you relying upon to save you? Are you relying upon a grandmother's faith? Are you relying upon a religious ritual that you've done? Or are you lying for your good to outweigh your bad? Mm -hmm. None of that will save you. Only Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel. And that's the whole theme of the book of Romans, Mm -hmm. right? Amen. That Romans is that in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. Mm. Salvation only comes to us when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his gospel. It says, for therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, from one man's faith to another faith, from one level of faith to our growth in faith. We grow by grace in the power of the gospel dear friends if you have any questions about whether you are saved or maybe you are using one of these methods of twisted thinking to justify yourself give us a call right now at 929-333-3739 so in verses 1 and 2 Micah Mm -hmm. the main question here that Paul is answering is well what advantage then does the Jew have or is it beneficial to be Jewish is it advantageous and so with all that the Jewish people endured Mm -hmm. and because Paul is saying to them being Jewish is not a ticket into heaven yeah and circumcision will not benefit you before God so then why be Jewish (laughs) (laughs) yeah well we're coming off chapter two here and Paul has made this argument that Jews are not saved through their ethnic or spiritual heritage and they're not um, not also by following the law So he anticipated this question, well, is there any advantage? And the twisted thinking here is to throw the Jewish baby out with the bathwater. And Paul corrects that thinking in 3 verse 2 when he says, much every way. In other words, there's immense advantage and absolutely a blessing to being Jewish. He goes on to say, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. Mm, So the number one reason that being born a Jew was a blessing was not because of automatic salvation, 
but because God had given the Jewish people his word, his utterances. God had spoken directly to the Jewish people, and that's not some trivial thing. You know, one might assume that the word oracles means simply the Bible or the Old Testament, and that's not wrong, but we can't forget that the Bible was the written, breathed out words of God spoken to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and on and on. And no other nation or people could claim that specific blessing. It's as if the Jewish people had a 2,000-year head start on the Gentiles, and Paul says, this is an amazing advantage. Yeah, because, too, a Jewish person, a Jewish baby born in a Jewish household mm-hmm. is going to learn the yeah. word of God mm-hmm. from youth, is going to learn that they've been created by God. They're going to learn the stories of the Bible, the great men of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. the prophets, you know, Elijah and Elisha, the great lawgiver, Moses, of course. So they have that head start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, though, the advantage of being Jewish is you have a head start in understanding the Bible and understanding that you're fallen and Jesus Christ is the perfect Jew. You need to save you. Mm-hmm. So, dear Jewish friend, we encourage you to come to the Lord. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Gentile friend, we encourage you to, to rest your soul on the finished work of Jesus Christ because he said on the cross it is finished so Raul we're going to go up into verse 3 and 4 another example of twisted kind of thinking and it's simply this the Jewish people were saying well most people don't Jewish people don't believe in Jesus Christ and the reason Jewish people don't believe they might say well it's not believable Mm. How is it? Why don't most Jewish people believe in the gospel? Because your gospel, it's not believable. And so, therefore, if no Jewish person believes it, or even if no one in the world believes it, because your message is not believable, therefore it won't matter whether you believe or not. (laughs) So that's the kind of twisted thinking here. Will God excuse my unbelief if... I grew up in a culture or surrounding where no one believes. That's really a big question, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. Will God excuse my unbelief? Okay, Raul? There is no excuse. Whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, we must believe. Uh, And, of course, we know from the teachings of our Lord that, sadly, most people do not believe Christ for who he is because narrow is the gate and straight is the way that leads to eternal life, and there be few that find it, and Mm. wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and there are many that go through it. And our Lord himself, oftentimes, as a Jew, would speak to his fellow countrymen about these things. If we go to John, uh, in John chapter uh, 8, shortly thereafter, the the Lord forgives an adulterous woman. Mm -hmm. He's confronted by uh, some Pharisees. And they get into a dialogue, and when you go right into verse 24, Christ said very explicitly there, I said therefore unto you, ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. And of course, uh, most of us are familiar with uh, the Lord's dialogue with Nicodemus, who came by night mm-hmm. and sought out our, our Lord. And, um, you know, Jesus told them, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, believe he cannot see the kingdom of God and what I thought was interesting was Jesus and you know as his dialogue goes back and forth Jesus almost expresses in a sense almost surprised at Nicodemus saying he said unto him thou art a master of Israel and knowest not these things he was an educated Jewish man Mm -hmm. that's right and he still needed to be born again Mm -hmm. and so again let me read that scripture because I just love how God's word puts it it says shall 
What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? In other words, Paul's saying man's unbelief will never terminate. It will never do away with the absolute importance of faith. It is absolutely important that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ yourself, for without faith it is impossible to please God. Yeah, and this twisted thinking, uh, Pastor, it assumes that before Jesus, the Jewish people had a perfect track record for believing in God, and they didn't, you know. We have plenty of examples of Israel existing in a state of disbelief, and yet this didn't mean that the reality of God wasn't believable. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 8:14 that God was a stone of stumbling and a rock mm. of offense to both the houses of Israel and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Peter later quotes Isaiah to say that to some in Israel, Jesus was this stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. So neither example negates the truth of God or the truth of the gospel. That's right. And, you know, you even look at, as you were just mentioning there, too, the Old Testament prophets, they were not believed by the established Jews of their own day. (laughs) Jeremiah was not beloved by his people. And they they threw him in a pit where there was just mud, you know, but he was a true prophet of God. Mm -hmm. So... Wanda, as we follow up on this into verse 4, one of the great statements of this passage, it says, Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. And so the idea there is, what if not even one person even believes in God? Think of that. Let God. Mm. If every man says, the Bible isn't true. Jesus Christ didn't rise again. His death on the cross means nothing. If every person in the world lies about the truth of God, the question is, would it be right for God to still judge and condemn everyone? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Um, and in past history, as our shirts that we went to the Ark Encounter say faith like Noah, yeah. it already happened in the days of Noah, yeah. where no one believed except Noah and his family, and God did pass judgment, and, you know, whether they believed or not, they they were... They were gone. Yeah, right. So this already has happened, and um, yeah. even in in it Romans, already has happened, hasn't it? Right. In <laughs> Romans um, one twenty, it says, "For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, mm-hmm. being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse." Mm-hmm. So even those that do not believe are without excuse because we see God's creation in everything. Right. His right. work is in all his creation mm-hmm. yeah and uh you know i look at it this way too what if uh, we we could all agree thomas edison invented the light bulb okay yeah. let's just assume that that's the that's the history that we have all been taught and we assume that that's true and let's assume because we we in new york city we even have the con ed company you know they even named the the electric company after thomas edison okay so, i never i never thought about <laughs> that <laughs> so but what if what if I got on a crusade mm-hmm. to get everybody to believe that, Micah, you invented the light bulb, it wasn't Thomas Edison, and I got everybody to believe that, mm. that you invented, it wasn't Thomas Edison, and actually everybody believed that. Now, that wouldn't matter for somebody's eternity, right? right? right. But what it would do, it would take away the work mm-hmm. and the credit mm-hmm. and the human honor that... Thomas Edison deserves, Mm -hmm. because aren't we thankful that we have lights and the light bulbs? Mm -hmm. 
But if somebody does this to God, yeah. that is of eternal importance mm-hmm. because they are not giving God the honor and the glory that he deserves. Mm-hmm. And when they die, they're going to stand before God, the one whom they did not give the glory to, mm. and rejected, and it will matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It will matter for all eternity. Mm-hmm. If even not one person believes, then all will stand before God and be judged and condemned even to hell, dear friends. That's why we need Jesus Christ. And so we say again, as Paul said, let God be true and every man a liar. Yeah. Um, About a year ago, I was in Los Angeles and I got a parking ticket because I accidentally parked at a bus stop. So I didn't know that it was a bus stop. I hope I'm not going to get a ticket tonight. (laughs) You're nervous about that? Yeah, always. So the signage where I was in Los Angeles, it wasn't obvious like it is in New York where you see the bus lane and the big sign. Um, And the ticket was, get this, $175. You know, I had never heard of a $175 ticket, but it didn't matter that I had never heard of it. It didn't matter that I wasn't from L.A. It didn't matter that I didn't know it was a bus stop. The truth was the truth, and I had to pay the consequences. And we could say the same for belief in God. You know, even if no one believed, the truth is still the truth. And lack of belief results in dire consequences. And as Wanda was saying, you know, all we need to do is just look back at Romans 1 and see that God's existence, you know, he says that it's clear even through that general revelation of creation. So the truth is the truth. It doesn't matter if nobody believes it. Absolutely. Man's unbelief cannot, will not ever make God's word untrue. Mm. Let God be true. And again, one other follow-up to these verses 3 and 4, Raul. At the end of verse 4... Paul quotes from a very important chapter in the Bible. So what verse does Paul quote? Why don't you read that verse at the end as well in verse 4, and what verse is he quoting from in Romans 3, verse 4b? Yeah, Paul uh, uh, quotes from David in Psalm 51, verse 4, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. And of course, this is just one of the most beautiful psalms uh, written by David after he repented of his terrible, all, all the sins with Bathsheba and, and the murder of Uriah and so forth. Mm. And the declarations of David here are just so to the point. Um, against thee only have I sinned. You know, our, our sins, yeah. of course, may affect and offend others around us, but they are a, a direct offense against the thrice, our thrice holy God. Mm. And David makes it very clear that mm-hmm. God is just, mm-hmm. um, right. and there's there's nothing to be hidden there. You know, just going back to what we were discussing earlier mm-hmm. about, you know, you don't see David here throwing out, David was a Jew, David was the, the king, he was yeah. the king of Israel mm-hmm. at that point, you know, a mighty man of, of valor. Uh, David had previously defeated Goliath, so he had all these exploits. None of that came over there. There, mm. there was nothing to justify what he had done. He came clean and God is just. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, and this quotation from Psalms, it's almost like a punctuation on this part of the arg- argument. You know, God has given each one all he needs for belief. So Jew, Gentile, barbarian, each one will be held accountable. And Paul is stating through the words of David that when judgment day comes, God's perfect justice will be indisputable and obvious to all. Right. And the idea there, too, when it says that he might be justified when he speaks and God will be justified, that is, his, at, at the judgment seat, he will be proved righteous. Mm-hmm. His judgment will be proved true mm-hmm. and right. Mm-hmm. And it's twisted thinking to, to say, 
Well, no one is believing this message. Only a small number of people, look, or the, the twisted logic, look at all the the billion Muslims in the world. Do you think God is going to condemn them mm. if they don't believe in Jesus Christ? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and on to other religions we could go as well. Not picking just on Muslims, but it isn't religion that saves. We must turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend, and God will overcome. Even as it says in Romans chapter 3, that God might us overcome. In other words, He will overcome every attempt to prove Him wrong. Mm. He will overcome every attempt of self-righteous man to condemn God. Mm-hmm. God will not be condemned. Mm-hmm. He will overcome man's attempt to condemn Him mm-hmm. because God is just. Yeah, I just, you know, I just think, you know, at the judgment seat, you know, there's going to be no pointing of fingers. You know, right now yeah. it's, I can point, oh, I didn't believe, I didn't know. My good is better than that person. I can point my fingers a lot of different directions if I want to justify myself with that twisted thinking that we're talking about. At the judgment seat, it's going to be faces on the ground, no pointing of fingers. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to go to a song here, dear friends. Trust in the Lord. That's the song. Trust in the Lord. Because that's really what we're talking about. God is true. Don't join the majority of those who say he's not. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I say agree with God. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, I'm going back over the I am declaration. <laughs> but believe that. Yeah. Don't buy into the lies of this world mm-hmm. that ignore who Jesus Christ is. Believe in him. Trust him. Love him. Live for him. Give us a call right now at 929 333 3739. We have wonderful call screeners here to pray with you, encourage you, answer questions. Or if you want to join our conversation, call us at 929 333 3739.
Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Dear friends, trust him. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's not necessarily easy to believe, is it? No. I mean, we're, we're living in a culture where probably, how many Christians are, are, you know, do you work around versus non-Christians? Mostly non-Christians. Mostly yeah. non-Christians. Mm-hmm. So you're the oddball, in a way, for yeah. being a Christian. Mm-hmm. So what does that make? Does that make it easy to believe? Or what does that do for your faith when you're surrounded by unbelievers, Micah? Um, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect my faith as far as whether or not I should believe. You know, I just have then the burden when I'm around those people, you know, when they're listening to the music they listen to and speaking with the language that they speak, you know, the dirty language that they speak. And uh, so I, it just my, my burden for the loss gets greater. Yeah. Uh, Roel, let me ask you that. I'm going to just throw this to you real fast. Working around people who don't know the Lord, does that ever make you think, well, maybe they're right? Or maybe, I mean, does that ever, do you ever question your faith? Or how, what does that do to your faith, you know, growing up even in, in New York City? Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, shake my faith or make me question it, um, you know, in terms of like, there are people all, all around me who are, are not evil in the sense that they're not criminals, they're not doing all these, you know, bad things, but I understand that that within itself, you know, doesn't make them safe, and I, I, I pray for these folks, yeah. and I want to reach out to them because I want them to be saved. Amen, amen. Okay, so dear friends, tonight we're looking in Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, where Paul is straightening out the twisted logic of those who are attacking the gospel of grace that he preaches. He answers to the different questions that people are accusing him of, and he deals with, is it beneficial to be Jewish? Or then we looked at, will God excuse my unbelief? And we, of course, said no. Thirdly, now, we want to look at this question, will God excuse my sin Mm. if my unrighteousness demonstrates his perfect righteousness? Mm -hmm. So let me try to put it to you this way. Suppose we observe the behavior of two people. One man was a good and decent person. The other person was foul-mouthed. He was a drunkard. He was a thief. He was a bad guy. Mm -hmm. So the contrast between these two would make the decent person look really good in comparison to the bad guy. Mm -hmm. So the question that Paul deals with is kind of like this. Will God excuse 
the indecency and sinfulness of man for making, in a sense, him look even more holy and righteous. So we're all like this sinful person I described. Mm-hmm. We're all foul-mouthed, if you will, mm-hmm. and we're, we're all sinful. And because we're sinful and God is absolutely good and holy, Paul answers this question. Does God have a right to be angry with me mm-hmm. if my sinfulness actually makes his righteousness stand out more? Yeah. <laughs> so so the, the, the twisted thinking of these people is that yeah. God will excuse my sin. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, to me, it seems like the Apostle Paul has a sense of humor. You know, he's almost playing like a game of whack-a-mole with all these <laughs> yeah, silly arguments that one might bring up, um, you know, to the question of his theology. And this example of twisted thinking, as you said, Pastor, um, that God should excuse sin because it makes him look good, seems pretty silly to me. But, you know, the more I thought about it this week, it brought me back to the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 3. And when we study that chapter out, uh, talking about the fall, we said that Adam and Eve had no knowledge of good before they ate from the tree because everything was good. There was no evil to compare it to. So good was simply normal. So it was only when Adam and Eve disobeyed God that evil was revealed and the, the knowledge of both good and evil it then came in combination. So in a way, I can see how somebody might misinterpret Paul's argument here and think that their sin provided that same contrast to show God is good. But the argument, it doesn't hold up. You know, God is good, has always been good prior to our sin, prior to the fall, prior to you know, I was even, you know, any time that, you know, we were even thought of in our parents' womb. So the, the argument just doesn't hold up. Yeah. And to, to look at this verse 5, there's a word in here that appears in one of the most well-known Romans verses, Romans 5.8, and it's the word commend, hmm. where he says, but if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who takes vengeance? And Paul says, I speak as a man. So what he's saying here is, if can our unrighteousness demonstrate the righteousness of God? And if my unrighteousness makes God's righteousness shine even more bright, how can God be angry with me in my sinfulness if I actually make God's righteousness stand out more? That's, the, that's their logic here. Mm. So... With this logic, they could accuse Paul of saying, Israel's sin in having Christ crucified made God, made God look more loving and forgiving. Look how, look how loving and forgiving Jesus was on the cross. And so Israel's rejection of Jesus commended God's righteousness. So therefore, God won't be angry with them. Oh, that's, that's very twisted thinking, dear friends. And that's what Paul is dealing with. So, Wanda, will God judge us and even all Israel in righteousness? Is it right for God to judge unbelievers who live in that kind of sin? Yes, absolutely. There will be no one spared from God's judgment as per Paul's letter to Timothy in Second uh, Timothy 4.1. Mm-hmm. I charge thee, therefore, before God... And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Yes, he will judge. And he has determined a day. And I love that verse, that God is going to judge the quick and the dead 
in Jesus Christ. And I also, one other verse that I love about God's just judgment mm-hmm. is Acts chapter 17. And remember, Paul is going to Athens. I mean, Athens, the, the former university city of the world where philosophy ruled and reigned mm-hmm. so supreme, where you know Socrates and Plato and Aristotle were so beloved and respected, you know, in that whole culture. And yet Paul says that the times of this ignorance God winked at. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I thought about that in Sunday <laughs> school this morning. The times of this yeah. ignorance, yeah. Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. But now he commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained. And he's given assurance of the day of judgment in that he hath raised him from the dead one thing you can be certain about you can mark it down it's true we will give account to a righteous holy god and he will be just in mm. judging us okay so we're gonna we got our beloved jamie on the phone he's going to ask a question and jamie thanks again for listening and calling the heritage of faith conversation program you're on yeah how you doing Doing great, Jamie. Yeah, How are you um, doing? Comment. No comment. Okay. Um, the Jews are undoubtedly the chosen ones, the apple of his eye. But um, God put a stumbling block before him, and I believe that was Jesus Christ, right? And uh, Paul, who was the biggest persecutor of the Christians at the time, he was out for blood. And um, then, he, then he went on the road to Damascus and, you know, went to Jesus. You would have thought that the Jews would have said, what's going on here? This guy yeah. is just like, you know, out for blood. Anyway, that was just a comment. Now, the question I have... Well, that's is, true. Uh, you know what? And, and you know, Jamie, because of that, because Paul had such a Jewish background, and him coming to Christ in that miraculous yeah. fashion, they had to try to discredit him. Mm. And that's what Paul's even doing. I mean, he is answering the slanderous attacks against him in Romans chapter 3, 1 through 8. Right, right. Now, the question I have is during the tribulation, um, I don't know exactly when the mark of the beast happens, but I'm tending to think it's more like mid-tribulation. Yeah. Because once you see the mark of the beast... Yeah, I agree with that. No, okay. Because when you set the mark of the beast, you place your allegiance to Satan. And in the end times, like um, the end of tribulation, the Jews will believe in Jesus Christ. And they will believe that he was God. Yes. So yes. that's what that, that was my question was that um, once you've accepted the mark, you're done. It's over. You pledge your, your allegiance to Satan, so it's over for you. But I was just wondering if if the mark of the peace was in the beginning of uh, tribulation, then that wouldn't make much sense because you know you wouldn't be able to buy nothing or sell nothing unless you had it. So uh, am I right in saying that? I believe so, Jamie, yes, because the first three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to come into power through peace mm-hmm. and persuasion. And people are going to think that he's there. He's the answer. Yeah. He's he's going to um, be the one to bring the nations together in a united way. He's going to unite the nations mm-hmm. and peace. And men are going to, he is going to fulfill the messianic promise that the United Nations has outside of the UN today, mm-hmm. that men are going to turn their swords into plowshares. Mm-hmm. And so he will come into power and peace. And it won't be until the middle of the tribulation that, you know, he's going to break right. that treaty with Israel and, yeah, and, and then demand the mark of the beast. Okay. All right. 
That's good. Thank oh, you very right. much for answering okay. that. Jamie, thank you for calling. Great question tonight. And you may also give us a call, dear friends, at 929-333-3739. We are taking random questions, mm, I guess. Yep. It doesn't uh -huh. have to be on Romans <laughs> chapter 3. No, but I was referring we to actually have a yeah. few minutes. I think we, we might have a few minutes tonight to answer another question. Dear friends, What's that burning question you have about the Bible? Get to us right now at 929-333-3739. Maybe you even need a prayer request. Maybe you need prayer tonight. What I will do, if, if a listener wants to call and, and needs special prayer mm. over a special need in your life, you give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. We'll pray for you over the air and then hundreds however many people are listening, will be praying with you also. So, Raul, number four thing that Paul is trying to deal with in this twisted thinking, the fourth area of their twisted thinking was they were saying, hey, it's all right to lie. If God's truth abounds through my lies, then what's wrong with lying? Verse 7, if, if the truth of God has more abounded through my lie to his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? Let us do evil, that good may come. That's what they were accusing Paul of saying. They were slanderously accusing him of encouraging evil behavior because God is able to bring good out of man's evil. So, Raul, a fourth example of this twisted thinking is that. So what, what is an example of this? Of, in other words, that God can bring about good in spite of man's evil and does that justify doing evil? And what's an example of this that shows God's truth does not abound through man's deceit? Yeah, well, there's nothing that justifies evil. And uh, God does not need our help to see his truth mm. shining. So that's Amen. not an excuse for us to sin. But we do see examples of this throughout Scripture. I think we had touched earlier on Joseph, I mean, betrayed by his brother, sold, literally sold into slavery. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah. God takes that whole situation and God takes Joseph and then makes him an officer essentially in Pharaoh's army. Mm -hmm. And Joseph then goes and actually saves his brother and his people from starvation. And even he declares that what you meant for evil, God turned it into good. Mm -hmm. And we also discuss, of course, there was a whole conspiracy with the Jewish Sanhedrin. And then they reached out to, to Pilate and our Lord was crucified. And even one of the, the, the disciples was involved, Judas. And that was a, in that situation, of course, God used that for good. So it's comforting because Paul says that the Lord is working all things for good mm -hmm. for those who love him. However, Paul also makes it very clear, Romans 6, 12, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Mm -hmm. So again, uh, we have no justification to sin. Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're living in this shallow flesh, so yes, we will sin, but we must repent and to the power of the Holy Spirit. Stop Amen. sinning. Amen. And, you know, Paul even said it this way, as you quoted Romans 6, we could go also to Romans 5.20. Paul says, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So mm -hmm. does that mean we should sin more so that grace that would abound? That was the question, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely not. Mm. So God never encourages sin. Sin never glorifies God. But God, in his power and in his might to show forth his love and mercy, can take the evil of man 
and work it out for good, mm. as he did in the story of Joseph, mm-hmm. as he did with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. the greatest injustice ever done by man on earth was turned into the greatest example of grace that man could ever conceive. Mm. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world, and that's for our ultimate good. But, but sin is never good, dear friend, mm-hmm. and we can never justify ourselves. Yeah. Well, another quick example of God's sovereignty is uh, despite the deceitful behavior, it ties back to Psalm 51, which Paul had quoted in verse 4. So remember that David used all kinds of deceit to try to cover his sin with Bathsheba. He even you know, murdered her husband Uriah. But in God's sovereignty, God brought forth both Solomon and another son named Nathan through the union of David and Bathsheba, and both men are in Jesus Christ's genealogy. Solomon is through Joseph's line, so the legal line of the Messiah, and then Nathan is in Mary's line, the biological line. So we see that even though God used the offspring of David and Bathsheba for his eternal purposes Mm. to bring Christ, the Jewish Messiah, the son of David, into the world, David's sin was not excused. That was clear to David based on, you know, the story and also in Psalm 51, and that should be clear to us as well. That's right. It is never right to do wrong Mm. in order to get a chance to do right. That's situation Mm -hmm. ethics. It's never right to do wrong, dear friend, because God is holy. Okay, we're going to take a call from Mike, listening from Pennsylvania. Thanks for calling, Mike. You're on the Heritage of Faith Conversations program. Hey, Mike. I was listening to the conversation. First time I ever called you, first time listening to you. Oh, thanks. Well, great to have you. The way I've always looked at it, and I've come to the realization, is like when they talk about abortion. And their big argument is all these children that are abandoned. And, you know, I don't think, and I heard Whoopi Goldberg and Joe Hartman say, oh, and I don't think God wants uh, all these abandoned children at all. Well, life starts somewhere. And if if they're talking God, then they believe that God created life. So when does God create it? Mm, so when right. you start a paint, put the painting, mm. put the stroke. That, so who are they? And I did write a letter to them where I said that, you know, at one time, Whoopi, the Ku Klux Klan thought there were too many of you, and Hitler thought there was too many of you, Joe. And it didn't work out too well. They were mm. going to do God's will. Mm-hmm. That's exactly God's right. God's will. That's, exa- that's total so, situation ethics, yeah. So if you listen to people running for office... And they give you something like that. Don't look at what your taxes are going to be. Yeah. Don't look at the tax you're going to get. They're not for God. And mm. they're not for you. If they're not for God, they're for you. Yeah. And, and well, and Mike, the thing is this. Faith in, in God and in his word makes so obviously clear that abortion is murder. Mm. And the Bible clearly tells us when life begins. And science is consistent with the Bible when Scripture says, I was shaped in iniquity, that we were shaped in, with a sin nature, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Mm. And that is biblically true, theologically true, and scientifically absolutely true. Life begins at conception. I I know even in Pennsylvania, there was a a woman, Mm -hmm. a black woman, Mm -hmm. a wonderful woman, who was conceived through through abortion, uh, uh, through through rape. Kathy Barnett, yeah. Kathy Barnett was Mm -hmm. conceived through a rape incident. When her mom was 11 years old. And can you imagine if her life was snuffed out? She is a beautiful, vibrant woman of God, you know? 
So, yeah. That's, that's the difference. Also, the wonderful thing, wonderful thing about Jesus is because if there's somebody out there who did go through that experience and all, you can be forgiven. If they read more about St. if they really knew who St. Paul was, St. Paul was like Hitler. And he writes most of the New Testament. Yeah. How okay, Mike, hey, thanks for calling. You know what? Our program's going to be over in just a minute, but thanks for calling and asking a great question tonight. Thanks for listening. Thanks, we're, Mike. We're going to go over to one other caller. We have Isai in Riverhead, and you're on the Heritage of Faith Conversation program, Isai. We just have about a minute or so. Hey, uh, I'm taking my call. Yes, sir. And, uh, I, uh... I would like to, uh, to know your opinion on blasphemy, the unpardonable sin. Well, that's a, that's a really good question, and it's, it's difficult to just answer straight up. There are different views on the unpardonable sin, of course. My take on the unpardonable sin, is your name Esai? Am I saying that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. In Mark chapter 3... And verse number 28 down to verse 30, Jesus deals with this. He says, All sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wheresoever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, because they said he hath an evil spirit. In other words, they said that Jesus Christ was doing his work of miracles and healing and raising the dead yes, in the power yes. of Satan. And so that's the, that's the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, is saying right. that Jesus Christ did his work in the power of the devil. And Would I be right believing that blasphemy is not believing the Holy Spirit? Um, I don't think that would be the blasphemy, of just believing that. Because, because, because the people in North Bay... They rebelled against God, and there wasn't a thought that they had in their heart towards God. They were rebelled against God and His Spirit. Yeah. And Solomon Gomorrah, the same thing. Those people blasphemed against God. Yep. Okay. Okay, again, I, I would say they're here like what Jesus says. When you say that Jesus did the work of God through the power of an unclean spirit. Mm -hmm. That was the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to keep it simple. Thank you so much for the call. Finish us off here tonight, Micah. Yeah, you know, this question of your ethnic heritage, going back to the Jewish people trying to justify themselves, it's a question that's going on today. You know, we talk so much about race, ethnicity, all that stuff. You know what? It's not going to matter. When we get to the judgment seat of Christ, there's only going to be one thing that matters. It says, did you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. So, friends, if you have not made that decision, please make it tonight. Amen. And I want to encourage everyone to pray for Raul and Wanda. You guys are so sweet and godly and love the Lord. A new deacon in our church, our deacon's wife, thank you for being a great testimony. Thank you for being here tonight. Good night. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website 
hpcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord. Looking for a university that's career-driven and Christ-minded? At Liberty University, you'll find exceptional academic and NCAA Division I athletic programs to help you succeed. Learn more by texting EXPLORE to 49596. Again, that's EXPLORE to 49596.